It's Hayward pulling it down, getting around Zubat at midcourt, launches the shot. Oh, and almost went in. Almost went in, and Duke is the king of the dance. It's time for the Shooter Shoot Basketball Podcast with your favorite Canadian, Kenneth Cotterman. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to the Shooter Shoot Basketball Podcast, part of the Blue Collar Media Group. I'm your host of the show, Kenneth Cotterell, and we've got a full slate for you here today, and I'm joined by two guests who I'm really looking forward to hearing some of their lists and opinions on the topics that we have. So first up, we've got the co-founder of the Blue Collar Media Group and the host of the Slightly Biased Podcast. That's Steve the General Reisner. Steve, how are you doing today? Good. What's going on, guys? Happy to be here. Definitely. And then second, we've got the host of Into the Lab. You can find him on Twitter, at the Sport Gene. That's Ernest Silva. Ernest, how are you doing today? Hey, doing great, man. At the home studio today. So excited. Home studio. Awesome. All right. So we're going to get right into things. We've had a, a couple of uh, names floating around as far as the NFL goes. I, a couple of guys who a few years ago were some of the best in the league at what they do, and now they're struggling to crack a roster. So uh, the first one we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about Devonta Freeman, former running back of the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, he ran into a little bit of injury trouble over the last couple of years. But uh, we're gonna, I'm going to ask you guys, where do you think uh, Devonta Freeman should go? Steve, I'll start with you. That's tough. Uh, it's, it's weird with running backs nowadays, especially injury-prone ones who are getting older, like Freeman with uh, – it's. You know, you can almost just plug – some of these teams, if you just have a good enough O-line, you can just plug anyone back there and they'll run. Uh, for me, that's what I think Freeman needs to do is go somewhere where they already ha- they have an established O-line and he'd be obviously not the feature back. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. May- maybe something like the Rams or the Cowboys because somehow they always have money. <laughs> As a backup well, position, well, but like I, I don't, I, it's the, tough. The thing about Freeman is that uh, it was reported that apparently he turned down a one-year, four million dollar deal with the Seattle Seahawks, which I thought was pretty surprising, given that Penny's not going to play, and I thought that he would be great with Carson, given the O line. Ernest, what were your thoughts when you had heard that about Freeman in Seattle? Yeah, when I heard about uh, when I heard about him possibly going to Seattle, I mean, we've heard. AB possibly going to Seattle also. I know that that's coming up. But I just think when you, when you talk about a talent like Devontae Freeman, you're not questioning whether he has the talent or the ability to play in the backfield, but whether he can stay healthy enough for a full season and can contribute later in the, you know, when you're playoff contending and when you're trying to make a run in the playoffs. Um, I personally don't like him in Seattle. I think that's a crowded backfield already. I think um, – Although that was number five on my list. I'm not going to give you five, but that was number five on my list. And I had to think about places he could land. Um, personally, I think he would fit in Detroit. I think you could use him as a one-two punch with uh, carry-on. I know they drafted a running back as well, but if, if you have to think, okay, well, we can't rely on him being uh, healthy, well, then you can think about him going to Detroit and, and playing more of like 
30, 40% of the snaps. Maybe he lasts the whole season. That would be a deep impact player um, if they were to make a run. God knows that division is difficult. Let's just say Detroit. Now, if you're talking about making an immediate impact, I would say teams like Houston um, in, a, in a division where they can make a run with an injury-prone David Johnson already. I mean, the team's already full of injury-prone players. Might as well add another one. It's up Bob's sleeve. Um, and add them to a team like Houston. No bias there because I really I could care less whether Houston is <laughs> successful with them or not. Um, and, and then uh, an outside shot there was the Arizona Cardinals. If the Cardinals really think they're poised to make a run and they're not fully sold on Kenyon Drake, then, then Devontae Freeman fitting that style, being a pass-catching back, maybe limiting his snaps. I think limiting his snaps and not utilizing him fully is what's going to be the biggest, um, biggest uptick as to why he would be successful. Yeah, when I was thinking about this one, the one team that really stuck out to me was the Chargers. And the reason being is, like, obviously Melvin Gordon left. They've already got Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson there. But neither of those guys is really, like, power back. They're kind of like – obviously, Eckler is a great receiving back. But I think that if, if I had to go with a team, I thought the Chargers would be a good fit because I think that would – I mean, they've always kind of had a running back carousel there, even though Melvin Gordon was – back like Eckler was always getting snaps and so was Jackson like it seemed like a good fit for him there the Lions was intriguing as well I I I hope that Swift actually gets carries there considering I drafted him in my dynasty (laughs) I'm really hoping that he I traded up actually to get him so I yeah those are a couple teams that I think would be a great fit for Freeman I think it would have just part for Seattle not even like, obviously, they have a lot of running backs there, but if he could even go there and have, like, a semi-productive year, stay healthy the entire year, maybe he'd be more prepared to sign, like, a two-year deal somewhere next year and make a little bit more money. But hopefully he ends up landing on a roster. The next guy we're going to talk about, you mentioned him already, Ernest. That was Antonio Brown. I mean, he's looking to get back into the league after <laughs> classified the 2019 season. I uh, started with the Raiders, was with the Patriots very briefly, and then uh, ten days. Then was involved with the with the cops. So I, Ernest, I'll start with you. Obviously, we've talked about it. The rumors are that uh, Russell Wilson wants him in Seattle. Do you see him being a Seahawk this year? Another team that made my top five was Seattle for AB because of the rumors, not because I think he would fit. I think they have their wide receiver core kind of set. But if you want to add talent, I think anybody turns down AB if he's mentally there right um the four other teams i'm just going to briefly touch them uh i'm going to mention houston again because houston really does need the star receiver and if you're going to pay somebody who oh, may wait, not they've play got right. deandre oh wait oh, no no no, no. <laughs> yeah you, you need a they star must receiver. have gotten a first round pick bill for that right yeah no nope, no nope, oh yeah no yeah. that didn't have oh wow yeah nope nope he likes That's the second bad. and third rounders yep yeah uh but uh you know they need a star receiver and so if you, if you think antonio brown is is mentally there then why not houston uh pittsburgh reunion is never out i think he hasn't burned that bridge mike tomlin loves him still um got gotta think that maybe there's a chance let's go realistic so green bay packers the Packers can pair Devontae Adams with Antonio Brown if he's if he's all talent there. Um, talk about mending some bridges there, too, with the front office. If you can bring in an, a stud like Antonio Brown and he's healthy. Aaron Rodgers throwing all day to two studs. This is what we talk about, Drew Brees not having, you know, two-star receivers in New Orleans, right? Um, and Aaron Rodgers has never had that. So let's bring in um, Antonio Brown. And uh, the, other, the other case for me was the San Francisco 49ers. Um, and the reason being is because you want to uh, put more talent. If you can get them for cheap, 
and have to make another run in the playoffs with the division already being as tough as it is, getting more talent wouldn't hurt them. And then he can kind of showcase Jimmy G a little bit more and show us that he's actually a all leading QB one in the NFL. And like most people don't believe. So those would be the teams I would realistically say that we're trying to be getting to contention that would, that could use a talent like AB. For sure. Steve, what would your thoughts be on AB? Where do you think he ends up? Um, well, as the resident Antonio Brown expert <laughs> at Blue Collar Media Group, I do not think Antonio Brown will be playing in the NFL again anytime soon. I, I think he's I, – I don't know. I don't know. The, the dude's crazy. Um, but I could see um, – I could see Green Bay or San Francisco, like Ernest said, um, Seattle – only because of the rumors. Again, like Ernest said, I, I think that receiving core is set, and I don't know if AB really wants to go there and right. uh, be like a third maybe option. I don't know. it. it yeah. they, there's a lot of guys running around out there for them, so I, I don't know if that's really where AB wants to go. Um, I could see Philadelphia because Philadelphia, um, I don't think, cares about – mental issues on a player because they're the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> they they do Santa Claus. I mean, I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's their <laughs> fan base is a little mentally unstable anyway. So, I – and, I mean, they had no receivers last year, obviously, with the injuries. And you don't know how some of these – even Deshaun Jackson, I think, is still going to be playing this year, right? They, we don't know if, how, if he'll last a season, mm-hmm. uh, some of their guys. So, I, I could definitely see Philly as a fit. Yeah, I think the key with A.B., like wherever he ends up, the only way that he's successful is if he's with one of those top-tier quarterbacks. Like, I love that you pointed out Green Bay because I think the key is if he's playing with, like, an Aaron Rodgers or he's playing with, like, even a Jimmy G who went to the Super Bowl last year, if he's Russell Wilson, like, if he's playing with one of those guys, then I think he he has a chance for success because I think he – he would value their leadership. One of the big issues he ran into in Pittsburgh was that he didn't like Big Ben as a leader. And that's mm. ultimately what led to him, you know, going off off the rails a bit. But I I, I think he's going to end up in Seattle as much as I don't think that they need him. Because I think with DK Metcalf going into year two, you still got Tyler Lockett. Like, that's a good offense already. I don't think that you really need him. But uh, if Russ is trying to bring him in, then... I, I think that that could be where he ultimately lands. And They're then, not that pass-oriented either in Seattle. Yeah. That's with, the for that many receivers. Which is crazy when you've got a top-five quarterback that you really emphasize the run. But, you know, that's that's for another day. Uh, and so lastly, we'll, we'll touch on Cam Newton. You know, he's a former league MVP. Uh, he was the Carolina Panthers quarterback, another guy who ran into injury problems. Ultimately, the team decided to move on from him. And so, uh, you know, I'll, I'll start with this one because it, w- it was tough for me to really look at it as, like, who, who would actually bring him in as a backup. And th- this might sound like a bit of a hot take, but I think the Tennessee Titans should bring him in. And the big reason why is because did Tannehill have, like, a good stretch last year, obviously, because he won the NFC Championship. But do I think that Tannehill's going to follow it up I actually don't. I, I think he's I think he's a pretty mid tier quarterback. I think he's very limited in what he can do. You saw it too. Like the guy didn't have crazy passing numbers. It was really Derrick Henry's So I think if I was a team, I think Tennessee would be a good fit for him. I think if he sits behind Tannehill, 
much like Tannehill did with Mariota. Maybe Tannehill slips up a bit and then he gets an opportunity. That would be the team for me. Steve, where do you think Cam would end up? Um, if he so again, hold up. Uh, are we looking at him uh, for a backup role or mm. as a starter? I mean, if you think he can get a starting job somewhere, then obviously that would be where I, he prioritize. But I still wouldn't rule out uh, the charges. I think I think what's holding Cam back is the fact that nobody can actually see him work out and get like a real physical done on yeah. him. As a, would the thing is, you're going to need to know if Cam's still going to be able to be mobile. And yeah. agile, and that's the kind of quarterback that uh, they prefer over in Los Angeles, and he's made that clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and with the idea of they need to sell tickets as well with yeah. the charges, like badly, that uh, could possibly be a way to sell tickets. I mean, he might fill more seats than um, Tyrod Taylor. The only thing that would would be an issue, I guess, is then why did they draft Herbert? But Yeah, that's true. If, if they think that they can if, sit behind If you want him to sit behind, yeah, or whatever. I forgot, so I forgot about that. <laughs> okay, Ernest, what about you? Where do you yeah, think? So, so Cam's like, let's put in several equations and figure out where Cam fits best, but when you talk about a – Let's just explore the starter role mentality. Then you're looking at three teams, Detroit, Jacksonville, mm-hmm. and Washington, um, because those are the Trevor Lawrence state teams for this upcoming season, in my opinion. And if, you, if you're thinking, okay, I'm not going to win that, then I'm going to bring Cam in to get used to the offense midseason. Um, and that's, that's really where I see those three teams. And then you trade Stafford out if you're Detroit, get something back for that so you can, you can you know, uh, fill your team and then bring in Cam. When I think about a potential hot take dark horse team that may, may take a shot at Cam Newton, it's the Chicago Bears because they have two backup quarterbacks um, in Nick Foles and Mitchell Trubisky. Um, not that I don't think either of them are talented because I do think Nick Foles is going to fit that system and they're actually going to be a pretty good team. But let's just say they start 0-3 and they actually roll with Mitch. They switch in Foles. They lose another three. They're 0-6. People are going to be shouting for Cam Newton in Chicago. So – Cam would then come to Chicago and maybe be some sort of saving grace, get used to the system there. They run behind him. Um, now, if we're alluding to backup quarterback play, there's three teams that I think really, really fit the bill. Seattle, we've been talking about Seattle a lot, but Seattle would be perfect because it fits the same system he was running. You have the same mobile, quarter, mobile, mobile quarterback. I'm not nearly saying he's as talented right now as Russell Wilson. I don't think anybody really is right now. Um, I think, I think uh, Cam could fit in. It could be um, somebody like an Andy Dalton type where they can, he can pace the offense and keep a, uh, an offense going. Another one is the Houston Texans because Deshaun Watson is just a little bit more talented and younger than Cam Newton. He could come in and run that offense as well. Um, Cam Newton's obviously bigger, can run some mobile units as well. Um, that would be another fit for him. Um, oh, my gosh, the last one escapes my mind. But it was another – oh, the Baltimore Ravens. So you have Lamar Jackson over there, and, and, and you've put all your eggs in this basket with Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson style offense um, running and, and, and doing your best to have, you know, 45 to 60 plays a game on the offense. Cam Newton can play that type of offense. You put his body in there. But it is going to come down to what Steve was saying – how healthy is Cam Newton and can he explode like he used to? And um, if the workout videos prove true, then, and it's a low investment, like the same type of incentive contract Andy Dalton got, pay him, you know, a low base, but incentives up the wazoo, he can lead a team. 
then I think that's a no-risk play for any franchise backup-wise. Yeah, I think backup-wise, like, Cam's best fit is probably those teams that already have the mobile system, as you said, like the Baltimore right. and the Seattles. Like, it makes the most sense for them there. I Yes or no, is Cam Newton going to be playing a game under center this year? I don't oh. know. No, he's going to be running the shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. That's a good answer. Good <laughs> that, answer. That, that's a great segue into our next <laughs> segment. Um, so uh, thanks for that, guys. That was a great chat on the NFL. Now we're going to switch over more to more to our individual teams. I This is going to be a basketball-related segment. We are a basketball podcast technically, but – I uh, had to get some NFL in there, but uh, I'm going to ask you guys, you know, last time I Ernest was on for this one, you know, we did our, our all time starting lineup for our basketball teams, but now I want to narrow it down to the Mount Rushmore's because, you know, we talked about a lot of talented players that were with our teams, but like, who are the, who are the guys who like, when you think of the Houston Rockets, when you think of the Boston Celtics and the LA Lakers, who's on your Mount Rushmore. So uh, I'm going to start with you, Ernest. I, who would be on your Houston Rockets? So we're talking about those four faces in the mountain. The four faces in the mountain. <laughs> so, My father has the same thing. I may do. I may do a segment where I'm inside the Rockets man cave that I have, but I actually have four jerseys hanging in my Hall of Fame area. Um, and, and here are my four jerseys. I'm going to start present because I know everybody's thinking it, but James Harden's obviously on my Mount Rushmore for Houston Rockets basketball. Um, and so, I mean, I can't say enough about a, a guy who should probably be a multi-MVP winner. I'll say it on every segment I mentioned James Harden because he should be a three-time MVP winner um, and probably should hold uh, a hamstring away from having a championship on his on his resume as well, um, which you could argue be if he had that. If he had three MVPs and had, and had a ring, he'd be arguably the best shooting guard of all time. Um, right behind, uh, right behind some of the latent greats. But uh, let's talk about let's talk about others. So Yao, Yao Ming is on my Mount Rushmore because of what he did for the brand of the Houston Rockets, not only for uh, in the United States, but if you don't know, Houston Rockets basketball is famous in in the Asian world in in Asian culture, and they're the number one team international right now. Um, so the Houston Rockets ho- hold that because of that ambassadorship of Yao Ming. Now, of course, with uh, Daryl Morey's comments in China and all that stuff this past offseason, we're not nearly close to the top with this season, but um, Yao Ming did wonders for the basketball. He made Shaq look tiny or average. And, and he was a, an amazing player who did, who did wonders for our team and, and helped us through those transition years. Um, obviously I'm going to talk about one guy last, but um, Rudy T makes my, makes my route much more because not only of his effects as a player, but also what he did as a coach brought us our two ships. Um, I think Rudy T doesn't get a, a whole lot of credit. Finally a hall of famer. Um, uh, congrats to you again, Rudy T, um, my coach always. Um, but he led a lot of personalities, transition years for the Houston Rockets as they were trying to, to, to make those championship teams. Um, and and um, he took a lot of heat. So he's, he's definitely up there. And then, of course, I think the biggest face on my Mount Rushmore is going to be Hakeem Olajuwon. That is going to be the big men of big men. We are a franchise of big men, except for this year we were the franchise of little men. But we, we uh, you know, we, Hakeem Olajuwon highlights all of that, the dream shake, signature move, his ability to compete at a very high level for a, for long in his career. I mean, from 84 to 2000 before he was traded or 99 before he was traded. Um, you know, Hakeem Olajuwon was one of the most dominant big men in the game. 
Um, it was almost impossible to keep up with him because he had finesse as well as power. And then on the defensive end, he did it as well. He was a two-way player. So Hakeem Olajuwon, always and forever, will be the dream and and uh, is is the last person, biggest face on my Mount Rushmore. Steve, what are your thoughts on his list? Would you have changed anything <laughs> his Mount Rushmore? Uh well, I'm also not a Rockets fan, so it's tough for me to really say, but those are absolutely the players I could see being on uh, the Rockets' Mount Rushmore. I would have made one change, and the only thing that I would say is that, like, Calvin Murphy, for you guys, being that he's yeah, second this... in points and first in assists, like, I would have had him over Yao, and not even, like, I wish Yao would have been healthier. Like, I understand his impact on the game worldwide. But that that would have been my only change. But I think you could you could make the argument for either or. So I got no issues with your list. All right, Steve, we're gonna roll over to you. Uh, you are the Boston Celtics fan, uh, the guy we love to hate here. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, this is a tough one because the Celtics are arguably the greatest franchise in NBA history. And so, arguably, yeah, arguably. Yeah, there's definitely and, a debate. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, depends where you are, really, Steve. Steve, you are from Boston. I'll let you take this one away. Who's on your Mount Rushmore for the Boston Celtics? Well, uh, I'll start with the obvious guy. You have to put Bill Russell up there. Um, well, he obviously, he put the Celtics and the NBA on the map. Um, obviously, with 11 rings in his career, being a player, coach. Um, obviously, yeah, Bill Russell, one of the greatest players ever. Um, and then I have to go over to uh, John Havlicek, uh, Celtics all-time leading scorer, eight-time champion, 13-time All-Star, five-team All-Defensive First Team, five-time All-Defensive First Team, uh, and obviously, you know, Havlicek stole the ball. Yeah. <laughs> so can't I, argue with that. Um, and then uh, you got to go over the Coos, Bob Cousy. Obviously, helped revolutionize uh, the point guard position in the NBA. Um, eight time, eight eight straight years. He was a leader in the leader in assists. Uh, I believe six championships here. Yeah. Um, and obviously, it was a classic moment of his retirement speech when some drunk guy in Boston, in the back of the guy, yelled, "We love you, Cole!" <laughs> and the whole place went wild, and he started crying. And then, um, of course, uh, Mr. Larry Legend himself. That's just yeah, obviously. You don't even have to argue that one. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I should have to explain why Larry Bird's on the Mount Rushmore. If you don't know why he's on the Celtics Mount Rushmore, you should probably brush up on your basketball history before you keep listening to this podcast. I heard he was a one-dimensional player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I heard that. Oh, and. And I, I also heard that he constantly underperformed in the playoffs and finals. But yeah. Choker. Choker. Yeah, yeah. Those two <laughs> finals MVPs are weird that he got those. Issue with his list? I, I, I don't. I think it's... I'm, I'm curious. Who's number five? <clears throat> number five? Ooh. Uh, it was probably going to be like uh, Michaela Parrish. Okay. All right. Yeah, I know uh, – Paul Pierce made ESPN's all Celtics team. So I was very curious your take on that, uh, Steve, because, uh, you know, I have youngins tell me all the time Paul Pierce was the greatest Celtic. I know it's blasphemy on this show, but 
but I hear that all the time. And then ESPN had him in their in their top five Celtics um, on their lineup. And I just I'm curious where Paul Pierce falls in your list. I'd say it's he's probably seven. Yeah, he's he's right there. It's Paul Pierce was amazing. Don't I? Yeah, I love Paul Pierce. I could go on about him forever. Right. I think people forget he's top 20 all time in points and top 10 and three pointers made Yeah, in the NBA, in, in NBA history. He was, but it's just the Celtics list is a, if you're going so for like your all time list and you got McHale's, uh, uh, so Pierce was a small forward, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so he played the same position as Larry Bird. Yeah. Yep. So you can't put Paul Pierce in the Celtics all time starting five there for one. The, the other problem is, like, like yeah, Pierce is a great player and, like, not to take away the fact that he won a ring, but, like, you're talking about a franchise with, what, 17 championships? So, yes, exactly. So, so to be sitting on one, like, yeah, it was a great championship to beat the Lakers in the finals, but, you know, you got to have multiple rings to be on that Mount Rushmore in particular. Like, well, that's even why, like, you know, Kevin Garnett, we're retiring his number, and I loved Kevin Garnett, obviously. I thought he he was obviously an incredible player. Yeah. But he won, and he won one ring here, and it was amazing, and I love that season. I cherish that season. But Kevin McHale won uh, three and yeah. went to five. Yeah. <laughs> he's arguably the most skilled post player as far as a power forward goes ever like his footwork was it, it rivals Hakeem as far as like big men like footwork in the post like if you see old Mikhail highlights like that guy was an absolute monster down there so no yeah Mikhail's very underrated I think he is I, I, I liked Mikhail for a little while and then uh, he became our coach <laughs> completely fair <laughs> um so I uh, I'm gonna go into my list. I think you know the Lakers. That's why I said arguably because I think you could make the argument for either franchise uh, is the greatest in NBA history. But uh, you know my list it's it's actually not that tough for me personally because when I think about the Lakers, there's kind of like two eras of the Lakers. You've got Showtime, and then you've got the Shaq and Kobe Lakers. And, like, yes, I understand there was great players before that. You know, you've got Elgin Baylor, Jerry West, George Mikan. Like, all these guys were great. But I think when you think about the Lakers, you think about Magic and Kareem, you know, winning five championships. And then you think about Shaq and Kobe, who three-peated, and then Kobe went on to give the franchise two more. And so, like, my list was pretty pretty simple for me. No, I'm not putting LeBron James because I'm not 13 years old. Um, I'm not putting Anthony <laughs> Davis because he's played, like, 50 games in the franchise. And, you know, if Elgin had more titles, he'd probably be considered. Big game James was awesome. He had some great moments with the Lakers. But, you know, he's not he's not beating any of those guys, in my opinion. Do you guys have any issue with, with my four? No, uh, again, the, the the Lakers, I guess, would would be a hard one. Um, but the way the way that you put it is pretty simple. It's also, I, I mean, Shaq was the best, probably the best. Uh, who could stop Shaq? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at center, yeah. so you can't you can't argue. Well, and, Shaq and being on there, Wilt, 
but Wilt's best years weren't with the Lakers. Right. Yeah, and, and you, you can't do it without uh, Kareem, Magic, and Kobe. Yeah, like so Magic, there's only there's only one other the spot. greatest point guard ever. Kareem's the all-time leading scorer, if not, you know, one of the best centers ever. You've got Kobe, second best shooting guard ever. And then you've got Shaq where, you know, he's he's in that top 5 centers, 1 through 5, you could probably put him in any spot and you know, people wouldn't argue with you too much on it. So I thought the the Lakers Mount Rushmore was a bit easier just, you know, the two the two eras that were really really popular were were then so i now we're gonna shift over this is this is a tough one because i'm gonna be doing this as kind of like a five-part series so each episode will be going by a different position but when you have to narrow down your top five at a particular position in basketball it, it is completely subjective there's different eras there's different things that people value you know but we're, we'll be putting these out on twitter for you guys to vote on because i'm curious uh, as to as to who you would have on your list, but we're gonna go with the top five point guards ever today. Steve and I were talking before the show. It was really tough to narrow these down, um, but I'm gonna give it to Steve to start. So, Steve, who would you have as go from five to one? Your point guards of all time. Well, so at number five, uh, it was hard not to put him a little higher than this because of his rings and because he is the greatest shooter in the history of basketball. But I have Steph Curry at number five. I had to, I had to put him back because uh, of his defense. Uh, and, and they're obviously better passers at the point guard position. For sure. I, all, I will say that I almost put um, Steve Nash there because I thought there would be a bunch of Canadians on and <laughs> I wanted to like appease you guys. Um. Number four, I'm going to go with John Stockton. Obviously, uh, everyone knows how uh, how good he was as a passer and as a and as a defender. Uh, number three, I'll go. I got to go with Isaiah Thomas. Uh, the the defense was just insane, and Isaiah could actually score too. Uh, the way that Magic Johnson and those guys talk about Isaiah Thomas to me is really what shows you. Uh, how how crucial he was to Detroit, how how effective he was on the court. Number two, we're gonna go uh big O, Oscar Robinson, the the original king of the triple double. Um true Mr. Triple Double. Yep, the true Mr. Triple Double. And then number one second I, place. <laughs> number one, I don't think there's any debate on at all. It's it's Magic Johnson. And I'm a Celtics fan who has Magic Johnson ranked ahead of Larry Bird all time. So do you have to go and wash your mouth <laughs> out with soap now because you just, like, praised Magic? Or, like, how does that work in Boston? Uh, no, Magic Magic were actually allowed to praise him. That's, okay. how good okay. Ma- that's how good Magic Johnson was. Okay, you're allowed to praise Magic Johnson in Boston. That's how good he was. I was beginning to think that Steve had been replaced by an imposter because, A, he was trying to appease Canadians, and, two, he was praising Magic Johnson. So – I, I don't know who this imposter Steve is, but I'm a big fan of his today. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm going to move over to Ernest. I'd like to clarify before you start, James Harden is a shooting guard, so you can put him on a different list. Not but, on paper. Uh, <laughs> I mean, 
<laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say he's a shooting guard, so you can just take him off your list. I don't know okay. if you need time to adjust, but uh, I gotta redo my list. <laughs> Ernest, you're up. Who's your top five point guards? Well, now that James Russell Harden Westbrook. can't be listed as number five, I'm gonna go ahead and change it up there. Um, Russell Westbrook. <laughs> yeah, now I gotta put in Russ because he was my number six, so I gotta move him right up. No, I'm just kidding. Although I would put Russell Westbrook ahead of Steph Curry at this point in their careers. So um, get I do to not- ring, yes, get to ring. I put him ahead of Steph. Yeah, I I, I think that. Uh, well, let's not get into that debate. Let's talk about <laughs> my top five. So uh, St- for those Steph lovers, you can stop listening. He's not in my top five. Um, I don't. I don't even know. Ooh, I don't even know if he's in my top ten yet. But I. Uh, you got to. You got to play basketball on both sides of the court. Um, that's the next. That's the next segment. Sorry, Steph. It's not a Houston um, fan at the, all. But the uh, my number five Canadian lovers is going to be Steve Nash. Uh, Steve Nash ran a similar system to what my one James Harden runs, and um, he dominated the NBA two-time MVP, a multi, uh, multiple NBA All Team. Uh, selection and if you look at what he did with the seven second or less offense, I mean he was he was unstoppable. Um, you just watch some of those highlights. I was watching him play against the Spurs in the NBA TV series two weeks ago, and I was just blown away how great he was in Phoenix. Not to mention his years that he had in Dallas, grooming up and and growing up there. So um, Steve Nash is number five. I have a very similar list. It's hard to have a different list at, with the top four. I think it's just how you rearrange them. Um, but I do have uh, Isaiah Thomas at number four. I think Isaiah Thomas uh, was a fantastic player, uh, two-time NBA champion, 12-time All-Star. Um, I have my stats here, so, so don't mind me reading them. Um, but just not only from the NBA doc, documentary series, we can go back to those times. Isaiah Thomas was the definition of a bulldog on the court. He is what led his team. He was the heart and soul of his team. Um, and it takes that type of character to lead a team. And so I love Isaiah Thomas. The number three might be controversial. I'm going to go John Stockton for number three. I think John Stockton was um, an absolute uh, pivotal player for the Utah Jazz. Um, uh, while I'm talking about the Jazz, you know, shout out to Jerry Sloan and his family. Uh, may you rest in peace. Uh, very sad to, see, to hear the news. Um, but John Stockton uh, and Carl Malone, when you think of the Utah Jazz, you think of them, 10-time All-Star, um, you know, multiple All-NBA teams. I mean, really, what what just doesn't get John Stockton over that hump is the same thing that holds back Russell Westbrook and James Harden from getting over those hump conversations is the ring. And um, But fantastic player number two is going to be uh, the second best triple double player in the history of basketball which is going to be oscar robertson um i i think uh you talk about the big o i mean there, there's not much to say but the guy could fill a stat sheet like no tomorrow and uh just because we've already covered it but number one all time is just magic johnson i don't think there's anybody that's going to play the game better than that unless they start off um you know at the age of 18, they could play every position and they have the skill set of LeBron and the touch of Kobe and the MJ attitude. And Magic did a lot and had to face a lot of adversity too. So um, I think his character speaks a lot for being number one. Yeah, I don't think that there's much debate with, with number one. I think it's, you know, if, if you don't think that that's the case, then you're, you're 12. So you uh, really, you have to have some yeah. sort of compelling argument. There's got to be yeah, something yeah. else. Yeah, you, you better that... bring something to the table, so, man. So my my top five uh, Canadians don't hate me. Steve Nash is not on my list. You know, for the Woo! same reason that Ernest might not have uh, Nash or uh, Steph, it's because he doesn't play defense. Steve Nash was never a great defender. 
Um, actually, if I was arguing all time, I would I would draft Jason Kidd before I would draft Steve Nash. So that's or Gary Payton, myself, apparently. Myself personally. Um, so starting at number five, I have Isaiah Thomas at number five. Um, I mean, he had one of the all-time finals performances. When he dropped, it was like 25 or 27 and a quarter on a sprained ankle. Like the guy, the guy was an absolute warrior. Like when you think about the 1980s and point guards, obviously magic overshadows him, but like he wasn't that far behind magic during that time frame. And, you know, he ultimately, he won two rings. He went back to back. He was, he was a phenomenal defender, ball handler. He's a top five ball handler all time, probably in the league. And for a guy that was that undersized to last in the eighties, as long as he did, I mean, he was, he was spectacular. So I've got him at number five at number four. I've got Steph Curry. Uh, he's the greatest shooter ever. I don't think that there's a, there's a debate there as far as his range goes. He's just got, you know, he's, he's a cheat code. Uh, he's revolutionized the game at the point guard position, I think because of his shooting, you know, now t- the NBA is very much a copycat league because, you know, you, you used to think, oh, you had to have a center to win a championship and then guys changed it. And then Steph did it in this era of saying, like, you need to you need to shoot the long ball in order to do it. Uh, at number four, I'm going with the true Mr. Triple-Double. Uh, that's Oscar Robertson. True number uh, two. I, I think Oscar's – he gets forgotten about. And, like, he's he's on my top ten all time. Uh, he's he's my third best point guard of all time. I think he's he's just phenomenal. Uh, I've got John Stockton at number two. Shocking. And I, and I know that he doesn't have the ring, you know. But a lot of people don't have rings because of Michael Jordan and Hakeem Olajuwon. So it's true. I the, the 90s, the, those were the two teams. You know, the Jazz really battled the Rockets a lot of the time. They lost MJ twice in the finals. But the guy's the all-time leader in assists and steals. And by a pretty wide margin in for both of those statistics, I think that that's something that shouldn't be forgotten about. I think in today's era, he would actually even be better because he would have more freedom to shoot because – John Stockton's a pretty underrated shooter. He was very good at shooting the basketball as well. So I've got him at two. And then, I mean, Magic at one. Like, I, I don't know how you have a, have a different number one than that. Hot so take. Lakers leader, the best passer of the basketball ever. The numbers may not be there. Stockton has them, but Magic is the greatest distributor of the basketball in the history. And he also revolutionized the point guard position, being that he was 6'9". Dominated at the point guard and played at center for an NBA Finals game and yeah, played it. like really, really good. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's it. I, I might even yeah. have Magic in my top five centers. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, he just snuck in ahead of the team. <clears throat> um, so I that that tops off our list. I'll be posting those. On- those give us your thoughts too on your lists i'm i'm really curious because i'm sure some guys that don't get mentioned enough chris paul another guy that doesn't have a ring but has been he's in my top 10 he's in my he's top in my top well i we talked about jason kidd gary payton steve nash there's a lot of great point guards all time Russell not Westbrook. james harden because he's white chocolate uh, <laughs> white chocolate yeah uh, and so now we're going to move into our top five most hated athletes. This is another one that I want to get your guys. Before, before we switch over, because I've got a question. Okay. Yeah. And it's going to be about James Harden, obviously. 
But you, you talk about Stockton having only the Bulls and Rockets keeping him from getting a ring. You can make the same case that he's had the Warriors, Spurs, and LeBron this this decade of his prime keeping him from getting a ring. It's the same Ernest, argument. Ernest, this is going to be a discussion that we have at shooting guards. You're getting ahead of yourself. Like, I'm, I'm just yeah, saying, this, though. I mean, you can, We can talk about this next week. <laughs> It's not a point guy. All right. Sorry, guys. I'm getting ahead. <laughs> this is just my way of roping you in for another episode. I've been suckered. Now I need to see this. Okay. So I'm going to get on the list first. Um, there's a lot of big names on my list, but I, I have reasoning. I want to preface it before we start. There, This is nothing against their individual talents. It can have everything to do with how they are on the court or on the field or, you know, however they choose to conduct themselves. So at number five, I'm a big golfer. I've got Patrick Reed at number five. And the big reason why is, I mean, the guy's a cheater. The, the guy literally cheated in a PGA event last year. He's, his entire family hates him, and, and therefore I do too. Um, but there's something about the guy that just, like, rubs me the wrong way. He doesn't seem like he's, he's overall just like a good person and someone that I would want like if I had kids to like grow up liking. So I've got Patrick Reed at number five. At number four, I've got James Harden. Oh um, God. <laughs> okay. As I said, I'm going to preface this as he's a phenomenal talent. He's a phenomenal player. I've got no issues with, you know, him as a person, but you know, I, I don't like the dribbling the, the air out of the ball and the flopping and the manipulating foul calls that happen. I, I know he's not the only one that does it. He's arguably the best at doing it, but it's just it's the, the way that he plays that rubs me the wrong way. And so uh, that's why I've got James Harden at number four on my list. I don't particularly like ro- watching Rockets games right now, which is fine. You know, I got no issue with other people liking the Rockets. They're just not my team. At number three, I've got Joel Embiid. I really dislike Joel Embiid. Last year, he went the wrong way, especially in that Toronto series. It's just the way that he – you can tell that he's a guy that just, like, he's an irritant. Like, he just likes to get under people's skins, and that's why he celebrates the way that he does. And he always – he'll, like, foul you really hard, and then when people come at him, then it's like, oh, I did nothing wrong. Like, that stuff just – it's not something that I particularly like. So, I've got Joel Embiid at number three. At number two, I've got John Jones. You know, he's arguably the pound-for-pound best UFC fighter in UFC history. But does that change the fact that he's cheated multiple times? Or the fact that, you know, he's he's had a DUI, a hit-and-run, charged with battery? Like, you know, he's genuinely not a nice person. And so... I've I've never really enjoyed I watch I enjoy watching him fight, but I don't like him as an athlete. I think that he sets a terrible example for everyone. So that's why I would have John Jones at number two. And then number one, I'm going overseas. I'm going Luis Suarez in soccer. <laughs> I mean I mean the guy's a racist. Let let's just get that out of the way right now. I he's overall a dirty player. He he single handedly robbed the continent of Africa of having a team make it as far as they've ever been in the world cup because he intentionally handballed it on the goal line. And then when they missed the penalty kick celebrated in front of everyone, like he had just, you know, saved the goal himself. And then, you know, the whole biting people thing. I mean, 
you know, that's just grimy. That's, that's really awful in my book. So uh, I got to have him at number one. I think he's an all time, just like jerk as far as sports goes. And so those would be like my top five current athletes. I know that you guys have a bit of a different list because I think Steve, I'll go to you next because you're, you're leading also athletes that have retired as well. So uh, Steve, I'll let you, I'll let you roll with your list. So I'm going to start off, but uh, since you let me do athletes that are retired, I was going to include Phil Sanders because of his awful broadcasting, but, but I realized he wasn't much of an athlete. So uh, moving on, at number five, he would have been higher before he retired, and since he retired, he's actually uh, been like a little funny in the public face. Uh, Peyton Manning, I have to just, well, you're just don't like fan, Of course. Well, yeah, I just, I just don't like Peyton Manning. I love Peyton Manning. <laughs> That's just, hey, he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. He's, it was absolutely incredible to watch. It's an honor to have gotten to see him play. I don't like Peyton Manning. You don't have him on your TV right now. That's what you're saying. <laughs> no, no, I actually don't. Even, <laughs> even with Tom on? No, oh, come on. Wow. <laughs> all right, who's at number I don't four? even Tom. I'm sick of selling fucking snake oil. <laughs> um, so at number four. I'm going with Travis Kelsey because I just think he's a bit of a bit of a douche. Uh, the way he carries himself, the way he tries to be Rob Gronkowski, even though he's not, and the way his fans talk about him, and the way that he talks about New England, and yeah, I just screw Travis Kelsey. Just not a fan. So, number three, I'm going to go with Alex Rodriguez because LeBron's in a Royal slap. It's, even without that, it's not that likable. Steroid user. I get it. Yeah, steroid user. He, he's gotten a little more likable since he retired, but still, it's A-Rod and I'm from Boston. Um, number two, I'm going to go with Floyd Mayweather. Uh, oh, wait, no. No, never mind. Number three isn't A-Rod. It's Floyd Mayweather. Okay. Because Floyd Mayweather is just a bad person. Yeah. You can leave in my bit about A-Rod, too, though. <laughs> Floyd, Floyd Mayweather. I, had, I, I just, like, thought about this as I was going because I forgot we were doing this list. Um, yeah, Floyd Mayweather is just – I just don't like Floyd Mayweather. Okay. Number two, I'm, I'm going with uh, LeBron James. Just – he just irks me. Just the whole the decision on ESPN has always irked me. <laughs> uh, and just everything, uh, the whole jump in to go with superstars and, um, you know, forcing players out to get players he likes and taking over a team as a GM whenever he goes here just kind of irks me. Okay. Uh, and number one, you two know me pretty well, so does. Either you want to take a guess. Well, give us a sport. Football. Eli Manning. Yep. That's Eli good. Manning. I, I, <laughs> Is it because he ruined your perfect season? Oh, my God. Yes, and <laughs> because of uh, 2011 and his weird, stupid-looking faces <laughs> and the fact that I blame Eli Manning for causing my descent into alcoholism and drug addiction. 
Well, I mean, you can't really do it at number one if you're not so positive. So, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't really like you on that one. All right, Ernest, I'll, I'll shoot it over to you. Uh, actually, before you get into yours, I'll, I'll adjust mine at the end as well, just to include some of like my least favorite retired because I did all current guys. So I, I'll adjust mine a little bit at the end. But Ernest, go ahead with your top five. Gosh, this was tough because I actually mixed my name with a coach as well. So let me just give my honorable mentions that are not on my top five list as I adjusted. Uh, Bill O'Brien, if this was not a players only list, you would be number one right now. All right, buddy. You were at the top of the list, but we adjusted. So Bill O'Brien, honorable mention. Troy Aikman, the broadcaster, I cannot stand. And he does every Cowboys game and he always hates on the Cowboys because nobody's ever as good as the 90s Cowboys. So, okay, we get it, bro. Get off the air because you're not biased. I mean, you're not unbiased. You should be on slightly biased. So, anyways. Assistant quarterback. That's well, okay, easy there, easy there. We're not we're not going that far. But we will say we'll say that. Let me start off with number five for me, Grayson Allen. I absolutely hate Grayson Allen. Okay, for a number of things, two of them. One is personal. My cousin was the player he tripped and hit in that national televised game when they played against Elon and Duke. That was my cousin. He did that too. So I personally hate him. Now I will, I will do, I will say on the other side, coach K did come and talk to my cousin and apologize. And they had a whole conversation. So shout out to coach K, but Grayson Allen, I just a dirty player all the way around, dude. He, he, even in the, even in the pros, he tries to flop half the time. He's worse than James Harden and Chris Paul trying to flop all the time. Grayson Allen's definitely up there in top five in the NBA and he barely gets any minutes, but you hear his name because he's flopping around and trying to make a big name for himself. And he gets like eight <laughs> minutes a game, but the guy comes off the bench the last two minutes of the half and he's all of a sudden, who's this white kid flashing around running? It's it's just, yeah, Grayson Allen's number five. Number four is Dwight Howard. All right, again, personal and not personal. The personal one is going to be because when he came to the Houston Rockets, we needed him to be the star Dwight Howard. We knew he had injuries, and he did that for a season, but when we asked him to adjust to the PNR, he wouldn't do it. Now all of a sudden he can play PNR because he's found himself. Well, before all of that, he was a jokester on the court, had, had all of these issues behind the scenes, was talking to other teams even during the playoffs, like, dude, grow up. It's a business. You need to act like it's a business and play the game. So now Dwight Howard 2020, don't feel the same way about you, but Dwight Howard 2019 and back, oh, my God, dude, get a life, all right? Number three, Mike Fierce, all right? So the reason I hate Mike Fierce is because he's the sellout that played for the Houston Astros championship year as a pitcher, okay? Mm. Now, I get it, right? You hear it, you investigate it as an MLB player, and then you kind of – you, 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 you know, you burst a bubble. You participated in it, dude. You were a part of that team. All right. You can't go back. Has anybody watched the shield? You don't give up your team like that. And so the fact that you blew the whistle on your own teammates is the worst of the worst. You're the scum of the scum. What franchise would ever give you a shot as a player or a coach? So Good luck in your life, Mike Fears. I hope you coach a very good high school baseball team, but you're never going to be in the pros, bro. All right, that's number three. Number two, Giannis. And I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce his last name. Giannis Antetokounmpo. This guy is number two on hate list. Why? Because he's a two-faced asshole. That's why. You're going to go and take shots 
at James Harden and then say, oh, if he wants to get mad, no, bro, be like Kobe and stick to your guns. If you're going to talk trash, talk trash, bro. Don't just don't just lay it off. Oh, it's like that guy who picks a fight with everybody that's a bully and this is, oh, I didn't say anything when a fight actually comes out, when James Harden strikes back. That's number two on Memo's hate list, all right? Number one, Draymond Green. Holy crackers. And Steve, you've been on mute this whole time, so I'd really like to hear you. But <laughs> oh my goodness, Draymond yes. Green. Okay. Dude, my sides are hurting. Okay, Draymond Green <laughs> flops more I'm, than anybody in the NBA, thinks he's the third star of the Warriors. And then talk shit. And then talk about, shit to everybody. About, exactly. He One of the greatest to have it do it. And that he changed <laughs> the NBA. He is a part of a radical change in the NBA. Okay, I'll calm down for a minute. But really, you got my five most hate list. I was going to go off. But Draymond Green, really? Okay. Like that guy um, – you know where has he been this season when he finally got the ball? Right. I should. I wish. I wish I'd remembered uh, that we were doing this fucking list because I, I honestly I, I threw mine together at the last second there because I forgot about it. Uh, I hate Draymond Green too. To, to yeah. clarify, I did have Draymond on my list and then I had adjusted it a bit. Like I, I agree. Like you know, he, he talks a lot for KD, Steph, and Clay getting him paid and winning him drinks. So you know, like don't don't get me wrong. I think he's a solid defensive player, but. You know, benefits from the system, in my opinion. So, I guess if I'm talking, okay. So you guys both mentioned LeBron. I had both of them on my list prior to 2015. If you asked me two or three years ago, they're both on my team. But the, the issue for me is a LeBron is now on my Lakers, so it's tough for me because I was obviously the Kobe guy. I had to change my tune because obviously, if LeBron then wins the team ring. How do I sit there and, you know, and Dwight, you know, the first go round with the Lakers, you know, that rubbed me. Yeah. Of, just like us. Well, I was just playing like hurt, you know, and Kobe was mean to me. Yeah, well, Kobe was mean to a lot of people and he's sitting on five rings for a reason. So And he, and he stood his ground when he was mean, unlike somebody else I talked about. Yeah. So, so if we're going into TV personalities, Nick Wright. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Oh, and, but I don't call him an athlete. But 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 he's so like because, my most hated human being. Because you had mentioned being. Aikman as a commentator, I had to throw him in there. Look, I get it. LeBron is the greatest ever. But when every tweet is about LeBron, like you've got a bit of an obsession and you need to calm down a bit. Now, and slow down on the Patrick Mahomes type, Blake. Now, if <laughs> now if we did this a couple years ago, I would have also had Phil Mickelson on my list because I'm a massive Tiger guy. And Phil just always rubbed me the wrong way because he wanted to be Tiger so bad and he would like always pander to the crowd and stuff. And it's like, dude, you're not Tiger Woods. Like you're, right. you're distant second. So I didn't like him. You mentioned Grayson Allen. He's a guy where, you know what, if he wasn't in a Duke uniform, I'd 100% have him on my list. But it's like, he's your asshole, right? Yeah, like that's like just... So So in response to that one, I would have Tyler Hansberg on when he was at North Carolina and even when he got into the NBA I just couldn't stand him I couldn't stand how he how he acted I found it so funny when he tried to stand up to the one guy in the league I forget who it was it might have been Ron Artest or somebody and like he turned around and actually apologized because he realized who he was getting and it's like that just shows how soft he is he's just like a fake tough guy and then lastly the one that Steve I don't know if he'll appreciate this one or not but I'd have Ray Allen and the reason why is, you know what, 
I don't like Ray Allen that much anymore either. Phenomenal career. But he he went full Kevin Durant when he said, you know what, I can't beat you, so I'm joining you. And it wasn't just that he did it. He didn't even talk to KG, Pierce. He was never going to talk to Rondo because that's a, that's a messed up situation. But Perkins, <clears throat> Davis, he didn't go to any of those guys and say, hey, I'm leaving. He just he just bailed. And, he, and yeah, he gets a ring out of it, and he's got one of the greatest shots ever. But I think that's an all-time cowardly move to to leave a, a team like that who's got such a big rivalry. So that that would be the only changes that I would make. I would include some of those guys in there. But yeah, I, prior prior to this year, I mean, I had Russell Westbrook in there. when they go to your team. So. Yeah. Uh, but that wraps things up for the Shooter Shoot Basketball Podcast. Uh, you can find us on multiple platforms, Spotify, iTunes, the Blue Collar Media Group website. They'll all be tagged in, in uh, the tweet that goes out about the episode. But Steve and Ernest, I want to thank you guys for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. We'll get to those top five shooting guards, Ernest. Don't worry. You'll be able to put James Harden at number one, and then we can all debate. But That's not going to happen, but I, <laughs> I, I appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show, you guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for yep. having me. It's Hayward pulling it down, getting around Zubat. At midcourt, launches the shot. Oh, and almost went in. Almost went in, and Duke is the king of the dance. It's time for the Shooter Shoot Basketball Podcast with your favorite Canadian, Kenneth Cotterman.